Friends, usually um, when I preach, I like to be close to you, but um, allergies have gotten the better of me. So I'll be here with my basket of cough drops and my bottle of water and ask for your forgiveness for all the coughing. Um, The good news is I haven't been singing, so you're welcome for that. Next week begins Palm Sunday and Holy Week, and so we begin to turn our attention to the end of Jesus's life. And so today, our second lesson is from the 19th chapter of John's gospel, the first 16 verses. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and striking him on the face. Pilate went out again and said to the religious leaders, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, And Pilate said to them, here is the man. When the chief priest and the police saw him, they shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. The Jews answered him, we have a law. And according to that law, he ought to die because he has claimed to be the son of God. Now, when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered his headquarters again and asked Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have power to release you and power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at a place called the Stone Pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day... For the preparation of the Passover, and it was about noon. Pilate said to the Jews, Here is your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but the emperor. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? 
Gracious God, the whole of the story of the church, the whole of the story of the world, and the whole of the story of our lives is the story of your spirit caring for humanity. I ask that during this time of the sermon, you would take all of the words that might be spoken and make them only of you. May everything else fall away. May we hear you this day. May we be transformed and may we serve the world. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we had the story of Jesus going in front of the religious authorities, Annas and Caiaphas. And there they bring charges against him. But they pass the buck. The religious leaders say, send him to Pilate. And so last week we heard how Pilate has Jesus before him and they say, here is a man who claims to be the king, the king of the Jews, which would be a case for treason because they believed that only the Caesar was the king, was actually of God. And so when they bring him before Pilate, it helps to remember our history just a little bit. Because Pilate has had a continuing problem during his time as governor. There has been a constant threat of revolt from the community in Galilee and Jerusalem. The reason for this is that the Roman Empire is only recently unified. Just a year or two before, there was the Roman Republic. But through a series of wars, they've gained more and more land. And so now there is a sizable landmass that has become the Roman Empire. The headquarters of the Roman Empire were in the north, up near Caesarea, on the um, water. Jerusalem was further south in the center. And all of the Roman troops were near Caesarea. So that means that even though the Roman Empire claims this area, they are are not occupied yet with Roman troops. And so there have been rebellion after rebellion after rebellion. And Pilate's number one job is to keep the empire, his area of it, together and under Roman rule. And so when the Jews bring this man in front of them, the threat level gets even greater for Pilate because he's looking at a revolt if he doesn't convict this man that they have brought to him. And that's complicated by the fact that in John's gospel, we are told that Pilate gets to know Jesus and knows him as an innocent man. Of all the things that we hear in this particular passage, the one that amazes me the most, the one that strikes me as the most stark is that we are told that Pilate is afraid. What would Pilate possibly have to be afraid of? 
all historians agree that Pilate was a particularly brutal governor. He ruled with an iron fist. And yet, when they bring this charge before him and they elevate it to claiming that this man says he is the son of God, this man says he is divine, it makes Pilate afraid. And I wonder what Pilate would have to be afraid of. I think what we are seeing here is that for the first time, Pilate is realizing that he will have to condemn and crucify someone that he knows to be innocent. All of Pilate's other trials, all the ways that he has put down rebellion before have been through orders. He has directed his troops to kill to squash rebellion. But here in his own headquarters, he meets Jesus. And Jesus is no threat to the empire. And yet, to keep the peace, he's going to have to crucify him. I imagine that must have been terrifying for Pilate. Terrifying in part because for all of their might... The Roman Empire believed in justice. They believed that God had granted them with the ability to overtake lands and had given them all of this power and might because they were just, because they ruled justly. And so to be told that there is a man before them who must die and to meet that man and to believe in his innocence and to go against everything he believed to be true about himself. That must have been pretty frightening. When was the first time you realized the injustice of the world? Do you remember? When was the first time you realized that while we may be fairly privileged, there are many who suffer injustice. There are many who do not get what they deserve, who are not afforded the same autonomy and resources that we are. Or maybe you've experienced it yourself. I imagine this is the first time that Pilate realizes that he is going to commit an overt injustice and there is nothing he can do about it. My grandfather told me about the first time he realized what injustice was. He was 17. He had lied about his age and said he was 18 to join the 82nd Airborne in 1943. And they promptly sent him to North Africa. North Africa is the place where they trained and they got ready to invade Sicily. That was going to be their first jump. And they had been there just a few months, he said, and it was Thanksgiving. Now, my grandfather had grown up in rural mountain North Carolina and they had no money. But he had family. They had a garden. So he was not hungry, and he had opportunity. 
when he was 16, again, lied about his age. I might have to start doing that myself. He joined the Civilian Conservation Corps that FDR created because it was a way for people who were young and had no resources, it was a way for them to earn money. And he had done that until he joined the war. And so by the time he comes to North Africa, he didn't have a lot, but he also did not experience lack. And so on Thanksgiving, there is this elaborate meal. And my grandfather goes through the line and gets his Thanksgiving dinner. And he comes back and he eats it. And he knows that he is completely stuffed. But he decides he should go through the line just one more time. And so he gets up and he's going around the kitchen tent. And he looks over. And there is a small, emaciated, starving North African child who has taken one of the tin cans that Beans had been in and was licking the can. And my grandfather said, all that good food turned sour in his stomach. Because he had never had to do that. He had never seen anyone have to do that. And he had always known that no matter how difficult things got, he lived in the greatest nation in the world where there was always opportunity. He said he'd never felt so sick to his stomach. And so we went back in the line and got another tray and brought it to the boy. Injustice before his eyes. I don't know when you first experienced injustice. If you were like me, because I have this position of relative privilege, it was in the pages of history books. But you know and I know that injustice exists that there are people who are oppressed, that there are people sentenced to death who do not deserve it in any way. It continues. And friends, that ought to make us scared and it ought to make us sad. It fills me with grief. But then I remember our Lord and Savior who says to Pilate, God has all authority. None of this would happen unless you were allowed to let it happen. Jesus says, in effect, to Pilate, your sinfulness is causing this, but don't you worry. The Lord God is in control, and he will bring light out of the darkness, resurrection out of death, goodness out of the grief of this broken world. And so on this, the week before Holy Week, we are asked to open our eyes to suffering and injustice and hunger and pain. We see it in the story of Jesus Christ, and we see it in the world now. And into that, we hold out hope for the power of Almighty God who works for the good of his beloved children. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard, but it is true. But the greater truth 
is the reconciling love of Jesus Christ for the whole world. Thanks be to God for that. Amen.